Hi everyone, welcome back to uh, the latest Racing Matters podcast. Um, I guess in our world, we're just coming down off a really busy week of having announced all of our 12 teams now after three years of blood, sweat, crying myself to sleep, <laughs> dealing with tantrums from various people. So um, we're very happy about that. Becky, how was your week? Were you stressed? I know we basically had you chained to the social media machine. Yeah, I literally, I hate social media now. I was on it all day, well, pretty much all week. Um, no, it was good. Yeah, it was, was quite stressful, but it was, it was fun to, to finally get, get all the trainers out there. Yeah, so um, that's one kind of big thing down. So um, now one other thing we've got down, of course, is our venues. Um, and so four of those venues uh, all run by the Arena Racecourse Company. And our next guest is reasonably familiar with well, most of those race courses, but specifically one at Lingfield. Um, today, we're joined by Deborah Hay, the uh, new CEO, I say new CEO in October of um, Take the Reins. Deborah, hi. Good morning. Um, so just before we get into uh, Take the Reins and how you got involved, why don't you just give us the elevator pitch of your, your life in racing? I mentioned Lingfield there. Um, that was reasonably recently. Um, how did your life in racing start and come about? Um, like lots of people, by accident, to be honest. I had worked as a journalist for many years, um, not sport, not racing, um, and then went into PR latterly and was introduced to Lingfield probably nine years ago to um, go in a day a week to help them with some consumer PR. And that's how it all began. Um, ended up as a full-time post and worked in various different realms there, marketing, PR, commercial partnerships, um, and just fell in love with the sport. Yeah, um, for those that haven't been to Lingfield, it's very green, pleasant. Um, both forms of, of, of uh, racing under rules there. And will be one of the racing league venues. Can't remember the dates off the top of my head, um, but uh, looking forward to running on the turf and the weather, I think. Um, so Deborah, um, away from the commercial side of racing, which we talk about quite a lot on this podcast, so actually it's quite a nice change to talk about something else. Um, can you just give us a rundown of Take the Reins and um, the main objectives of the charity, please? Um, there are a lot of charities in the racing space, but I think this one has a slightly different take on things. So can you give us, from, from your point of view, um, what you think about Take the Reins and its objectives? Yeah, of course. Um, take the Reins has been going for a number of years as a pilot project. Um, but this summer we um, developed it into its own organisation, not-for-profit company. Um, we aim to engage new communities and inspire young people through racing. So a little bit like the whole Sport for Good arena. Um, racing traditionally hasn't played much of a part in that, in that arena. It's always been football, cricket, rugby. Um, we've introduced racing into that. Um, we're not just about ticking boxes. Um, we're not just about working with young people from BAME backgrounds. We're basically um, about engaging with young people and trying to inspire them into racing, hopefully as a career, but really just to open up racing to these people. Because to be honest, I think, and I think it's generally accepted, racing seems to have lost touch with those grassroots communities. 
Yeah, and how did you get involved with the charity? So we began it as a pilot um, using Lingfield as a facilitator probably five or six years ago, to be honest. Um, I was quite passionate at, at the time and still am about race courses being involved in community work. Um, so we opened up Lingfield as a, as a site for the young people to come and visit. Um, a lot of those groups, and it was a mixture between school groups and youth community groups, so older, older young people as well, um, a lot of them had honestly never been outside their borough in London before. So coming to Lingfield, as Ollie said, it, for those that haven't been, Lingfield's quite green and um, it was a real eye-opener. Um, what it did was just enable them to see how many opportunities there are within the racing industry, even if they have no aspirations to work with or alongside the horses. Um, as we know, racing has so many different career options. Um, so that's how it all began. We then did a pilot project, um, which was kindly funded by the Racing Foundation. And we had an academic study impact report um, produced on that to show the impact that we'd had over that, certainly the, the main pilot project year um, in which we, we reached over a thousand young people in that year. Wow. Uh, am I right in saying, so you're talking about Lingfield and how a lot of uh, young people come from London and they get to experience a day out at Lingfield um, but also you have sort of like a more northern operation um, which works inside the Northern Racing School and I believe Richard Fahey? Yes, yes. So we've got a number of trainers involved but Richard's been the main one up to date. Um, we work with two, uh, We obviously it's evolved since the pilot project. We've moved on because the, the main aim is this isn't just about a day out at the races or a day out at the yard. What we're trying to do is develop a, uh, we're now at the, at, the, at the stage of trying to develop a traineeship programme um, and engaging with young people, mainly 19 to 24 year olds, um, and to, to give them the opportunity to, to take part in a traineeship, which will give them employability skills. We're still working in the north and the south, so we're working with Flying Futures in Yorkshire um, and Richard's Yard is still open to us, which is fantastic. Um, and in the south we're working, the Rio Ferdinand Foundation we've partnered with because they have youth programmes already in operation. What we're keen not to do is try and duplicate what other people are already doing and we don't have the resources to go out and reach these youth communities obviously with what we've got. So we're working with organisations that are already in operation so that we're not duplicating, basically. Um, arena Racecourses have all um, continued to support us, which is great. Obviously this started when I worked for them, so it was great. Um, and it means we've got all of their racecourses open to us when, when we're in a position to offer work placements and, and um, opportunities to go and visit those racecourses for these young people. So you mentioned um, the young people are sort of from 19 to 24 and um, do they usually come from inner city communities from diverse backgrounds? Yeah, they can do. They can also come from rural areas as well. So certainly our operations in the north, we reach quite a lot of rural areas. Um, but diverse is the word basically. And most of these young people have uh, literally would never even consider racing. 
Um, they've had nothing to do with racing in their lives. They don't even consider it a sport that they could follow. Um, so part of our remit really is just, as I say, to reintroduce racing as a sport to them. Even if they don't pursue a career within the industry, just to open it up to them and make them realise what a great day out they can have is a tick in the box as far as we're concerned. Yeah. And how do young people from inner city areas who might not really have known anything about racing and the career opportunities, how do they view racing as a sport? Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. So the initial thought is all of the preconceptions that we spend our lives trying to dispel. So a lot of the young people certainly that came to Lingfield would um, have no idea about how much care went into the horse side of things, how much work was involved from a racecourse side of things. It was just a complete eye-opener to them. And without exception, all of the feedback we received was that they were absolutely stunned by just how brilliant a sport it was and how accommodating and friendly everybody was. Um, there's a great piece that uh, Sky Sports Racing did on us um, probably over a year ago now at Lingfield and all of the young people there said that they just couldn't believe how welcoming everybody was and just what a great fun day out it was. And Deborah what's the what's the typical reaction of, of someone who is maybe walking into uh, I mean let's a race course of course is 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 a different environment it's big it's open but it has stands it has kiosks it's quite familiar a racing yard if you've never been to one is quite a, can be quite a chaotic place if the horses are coming in from work or it can be extremely quiet if all the horses are tucked away and it sometimes can seem like there's nothing going on what what reaction do you get from from children I suppose who, who are coming into a yard for the first time they just love it. And I think what's brilliant about every yard is that they they can relate to a lot of the young people that are working there. Um, so that's been really, really successful. We managed to um, one of the, the young people from Yorkshire who came on the programme probably two years ago now is working in the yard now. So she's gone through and followed it through and we were able to put her on the pathway through the Northern Racing College, as it was then. Um, and that's what's really encouraging that all of the young people are literally opening their eyes to what's available to them because they have no idea and they don't have any idea. And like I say, even if they don't want to work with horses, you just look at the wealth of careers that are available to them within racing, even if they want to stay in London, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so it's just really opening their eyes to those opportunities more than anything. Yeah, I think, I actually, um, yeah, sorry, go on, Becky. <laughs> I actually think that I can relate to that. I sort of always thought that if you wanted to work in racing, I, mean, I work in marketing, I thought that you almost couldn't be in London. And here I am now. And that was my main thing. I wanted to move to London when I finished university. And I just thought, oh, I don't want to be sort of in, in the country working at a racehorse, even though I love racing. But yeah, you just... Sometimes you just don't know. It's, the information is out there. I guess I just needed to, to search for it. Look, I think that is one of the problems. Sorry, Ollie. That's one no. of the problems, I think, that the people advising young people on careers 
possibly don't think about it either. So I know careers in racing are doing loads to try and sort of bridge these gaps. But, you know, I've got two teenagers, not once as a career advisor ever suggested to them, sport in general, to be honest, not just racing, but they've never been advised to seek if they wanted to go into marketing or whatever, to seek sport as a career. So it's, yeah, it's a big gap. There's, there's, there's a, I mean, this is slightly getting off topic, but there is a, there's a big problem in general with, with how sport, in my opinion, recruits its talent. There, there's an element of the closed shop about it. And there's also an element uh, to any estate agents listening, this isn't casting an aspersion, but there's an element of the estate agentness about it. You're either extremely young and hungry and you don't need any training, so you can just come in, work on an internship basis, and that's your entryway. Or, quite the opposite, you have to have worked for a massive football club to, t- to have any credibility in commercial partnerships. Now, there's a massive, massive hole in the middle, in my opinion. And racing that indirectly employs 80,000 people, you know, there, there, there is a full range of jobs available. And I agree with you, careers in racing does a pretty good job of getting out there but we need to be more mainstream. I mean, Racing League, for example, has put together a very, very expensive media partnerships platform of which we want to use a certain percentage of it to talk about careers in racing. This helps us in the long run, right? You know, it, it, more people involved. The, the, and also, like, the, the different sets of skills. Selling partnerships is one thing. Understanding commercial operations is another. Pure marketing, performance marketing, brand marketing. There's an awful lot that goes on with racing. Anyway, that's my little rant. Um, I better, <laughs> I better stop but I, that. <laughs> yeah, but that's interesting because I've seen a bit of a sea change in just the short time I've been in racing. And I think eventually now people are, and we are all working together. And that was, and we've seen that through the, the evolution of Take the Reins. But you know, there are loads and loads of really good programs going on, charity programs within racing. Um, but they've all been a little bit silo effect up until quite recently. Racing Together have, have done a fantastic job working with the Dolphin and the Racing Foundation. And the aim is to bring everybody together so that programs like this can work with existing programs to put people on the right pathways. Because there's no point in us all duplicating. There's no point in us doing the same work even if we're working with different people. We've just got to come together as an industry and realize how much we've got to offer and what's out there for people. Yeah, and definitely to get some more young people involved, because I know people say this all the time, but um, the people that work in, in racing, there's not, there's not a great young person representation. Um, and I think it's great what you're doing to show young people, especially from inner city communities, that there is such a range of job opportunities in the sport, which they wouldn't have known otherwise. Um, do you have partnerships with um, specific race courses, stables, trainers, jockeys, the whole lot that sort of work with the charity quite closely? Yeah, so because we're, we're new, as in, although the programme's been running for some time, we've obviously uh, set it up as its own not-for-profit organisation now. We're literally at the, at the first stages. So we're hoping to get approval on the traineeship. We're working with a company called Phoenix Sports Media, um, and they will deliver that traineeship for us. That will be a 12-week programme based, um, both classroom-based and obviously in the workplaces. 
So Arena Racing Company have been brilliant. So we're hoping to use, obviously, their 16 race courses throughout the country. The point of Take the Reins is that it's not just based in London or in Yorkshire. We're literally going out nationally. But it's going to be reliant on those partners within certain geographic areas to work alongside us. Um, we've got a number of yards who are really happy to work with us, which has been brilliant. Um, and uh, Godolphin as well, which we're in really close contact with Godolphin because obviously they're already running the Beacon Project which has been really successful for younger pupils, it may be that some of those pupils come on and, and, and do the Take the Reins traineeship. That's, that's the idea. So it's just moulding all of these things together so that we can work with people on it. We're talking to a number of potential sponsors at the moment. Um, so, and we've already had a continuation grant from the Racing Foundation, which has been brilliant. Um, just, just to get into, just sorry, just to get into a little bit of the, the, the detail on that. Um, one of the questions that Becky sent to me that came in was what areas of the industry specifically offer work experience and, and placements either via take the reins or through the work you do. I, is there a way of being very specific about it? I.e. do you have X number of potential placements with commercial or, or non-commercial entities in racing that, that you can present to people each year? I don't know whether no. it's a, a placement or a yard or whatever. We'll almost do it the other way around. What we don't want to become is, a, um, is, is based and judged just on the number of people we've had through a work programme or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it can become a bit meaningless, to be honest. This is about sustainability. So it's about offering young people, and that might be small groups of people. We might... So if we can get the first traineeship up and running, say next March, we may only run two 12 week programs. We may only reach, I don't know, 30, 30 young people next year. Yeah. But we're hoping that will be meaningful. So what we will do is build the programs around the individuals rather than say to 30 young people, we've got five placements here, six here, because it might not suit their, their requirements. This has to work for the individuals and what they think they want to do in, in life. Um, otherwise, it does become a little bit of a number crunching exercise. Yeah, so for example, um, one of your um, participants or students or whatever you want to call them could sort of say, um, oh, when I went to Lingfield, I was really interested by um, for example, like turf management, and you would sort of speak to them and find out exactly what they wanted and try and find, like fit them in at a race course or to like be mentored by someone who... Exactly, exactly. We want to fit the programme around the individual needs as opposed to the other way around. Um, and the race courses are brilliant because they, yes, we all know that the, that we, that the racing industry at times struggles to employ people um, so they know that there's a need there to employ the right people and people who are genuinely interested I know from previous trips to Lingfield how blown away some of the young people have been by the catering side of things you know if you're suddenly catering for 3,000 people on a day you know that's quite a different probably a, a, a different idea to what they had, even if they were interested in becoming a chef or whatever. So 
again, it's just working out the right program for the right individual. Good. Um, COVID obviously must have impacted the charity's work. Have you had to adapt sort of the courses around the change in circumstances? It's, it's held us up, to be honest. So, as I say, we've we created the, the company, if you like, over the summer. So it enabled us to look at exactly what we wanted to do and to build the traineeship around that. So in many ways, probably it did us a little bit of a favour because it gave us time and space to do that. Um, what it is doing is holding up the, the development of that traineeship now because obviously we need to wait. Ideally, we want to get people together as opposed to doing it all remotely. Yeah. And has the charity seen, obviously I know the charity is still in almost its infancy, but have you, um, what's like the big success story? Have you seen your participants um, sort of grow up to become involved in the industry, even if it's just that they have now a newfound love for the sport and they sort of go racing, I don't know, a couple of times of a year? Yeah, I mean, as I say, we've got one young girl who's working at a yard, so um, that's been fantastic. Um, and she literally came on a school trip to, to one of the, um, went to visit Richard Fahey's yard in Yorkshire. Um, so that, that worked really well. I think for me, it's, and most of the young people I've met previously were in the South. They've, they've come from Brixton, Lambeth, you know, areas that literally less than half an hour away from Lingfield but would never have considered visiting Lingfield at all. And all of whom went away saying, we'll, we're definitely going racing, we're definitely coming back. Um, they were lucky because we were able to get them to meet jockeys, trainers, owners. We make sure that they literally meet everybody involved in the industry. So to them, it, it was a real behind the scenes visit, which was fantastic. Um, but just that form of education, so many of them went away saying, oh my goodness, before we thought it was cruel, we thought the horses were badly treated, we thought, well, just, you know, they clearly one day is enough for them to realise that that's not the case. So just for them to go away so positive, I think that to me is, was, was the biggest achievement of all. Yeah, that's a win. So let's just take a, let's take a step back and look at the broader view of, of racing and it's um I, I think there's this sort of very general phrase all the time about getting young people involved and all the rest of it i mean i think every industry every sport especially is keen to grab hold of, uh, of always a younger and more engaged audience and find a pathway for careers and everything so racing has quite a bit of competition but as you alluded to earlier sports pretty has its own challenges in terms of breaking into the industry um you know, and this will come on. I think we've got some questions about funding and all the rest of it. But what do you think, you know, that yourself having worked at the coalface, if you like, um, for one of the, the big commercial operators, where do you think racing can can improve? Not not just in the in the offering, but in the way that we present the product to to people. Um, obviously, these are things that at Racing League we've we've looked into in great detail and are trying to address. But, you know, from ownership through to a day at the race course, where, where do you think, as Deborah, the, 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 the holes are that, that would help improve the overall picture? I think we're getting there slowly. But I think when I certainly just nine years ago when I joined racing, I felt like 
I would I would never ever understand it would would I, I felt like a complete and utter outsider I felt intimidated as a professional person coming into the industry I felt intimidated by the school I think that's improving but we've still got a long way to go I think anybody coming into racing now it's still a bit of a closed shop to be honest um, we all need to make it abundantly clear that we we do need young people but we need fresh ideas and the racing league has proven that you know that's it's brilliant because it will open open up new eyes to to the sport um i think we need to work together more i think we've been so fragmented as an industry there are so many different stakeholders involved i think covid's been brilliant for that i think it's brought us together as an industry a lot more than i've ever seen um but we need to accept that we can't just carry on as we are because you know becky said as a young person you've come into the industry and you know you're very aware that it's a lot of older people working in race courses it's a lot of older people working in the industry we need young blood all the time so yeah there's a long way to go but i i feel like there's more of a um more interest in in opening it up now than there ever has been one of my complaints and uh, since i've been working in racing is, is something i've noticed as well is that there are a number of jobs there uh in the in the industry as a whole that don't necessarily need the the experience or the very in-depth knowledge of how horse racing works to perform it yet there are people in very interesting uh, positions especially in marketing and sales who maybe come from a bloodstock background because for some reason that that helps them be more qualified and everyone understands it's still a, a sport that's very much who you know as well it does help to understand the, the full but you know i don't believe that you need to know about bloodstock in order to market a commercial product to a mass market and, the, and especially internationally. And I know there's pedigree. I know that British racing is a great brand around the world. And there's an aspect of that. But, um, you know, there are some young, hungry, technologically savvy salespeople that can take a product, uh, do something with it and make it appealing to, to just about anyone. And anyway, I think there's, there's a bit of a gap there. I think that, that there's a bit of a merry-go-round of people in in positions that you know uh they've earned them for sure but there's not enough there's not enough people from outside i know that the jockey club obviously tried to do it with with delia um and there's there's a few other people i guess like like myself and becky and others that have come into racing from other industries but i think for me that's where we'd make headway you know i don't know why um, someone, one of the, the rights holder groups hasn't got someone from a very big social media platform or, or, or a tech, a tech first business to have a look at, you know, how can we be tech focused first rather than the back end of things. But anyway, that's, that's my take on it. Um, no, I totally agree. And having worked at a race course, I mean, anybody in marketing who goes and particularly at race course like Lingfield, you know, the busiest race course in Europe events going on all the time non-racing a hotel a golf club you know it, it offers so many different avenues um there are so 
that's what we need. We need people from outside to come in with fresh ideas because if we keep churning the same people in the industry, we're going to go stale. It's going to remain stale. So we absolutely need that. And I know GBR have been looking at lots of different things and trying to get, you know, some of their on the kids go racing type platforms. It's great, but but then it needs to be right at the heart of racing. I think we need to get people working in it who you're absolutely right from different different backgrounds. Well, there's there's a there's a there's a bigger picture too because. As I, I often say, um, racing is super recognizable all over the world. Not many people you know don't understand how a horse race in its basic form works, right? I mean, on almost every continent, I imagine people have, have seen a horse race. Uh, how to make that available to everyone? Everyone in the world, apart from, funnily enough, people that live in the UK, can watch the Premier League for not very much money. And there's a reason why the product is so unbelievably successful. It's not just because the quality of the, the football is good. It's because everyone in the world has a way of watching it. And generally for cheap, unless you're one of the fans like me that pays loads for it. Um, and I fear that, you know, it's hard to get an interest in, in a sport when there's no connected narrative. But it's even harder if you can't get to see it. And um, I, I would love in the next few years for the rights holders which includes ourselves uh come together with broadcasters and and rights distribution companies and platforms to to find a common ground whether it's broadcasting via one of the social channels whether it's facebook live instagram watch twitch etc etc and try and find a way of coming together to broadcast the product everyone benefits from more eyeballs more investment in commercial uh, and betting and, and so on that would be a, a, just a nice start for me. Um, I, it's yeah, quite, quite I a totally lot agree. Going. And I think, you know, social media, we are quite behind on social media um, as far as young people are concerned and their engagement with it. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's a long way to go, I think. The and beauty of racing social media, though, you know, we had a, a, a couple of guests on a few weeks ago focusing on the social. Mm -hmm. The beauty of it. I mean, you can't engage with the manager of a premiership football club on Twitter. He's not going to reply or she's not going to reply to you. Racing, trainers generally are defending themselves, but open themselves up. There's a chance to engage. That's, that's unique, really. I mean, golfers are not bad at it, you know, but they're not getting the sheer volume that these extremely high-profile high athletes are. But the, the intent is there. There is a community that can be leveraged and, and it can grow organically as a result. So I, I think, you know, there's, again, there's more opportunity than, than people realize. And it's just not just about throwing links out there to get clicks. It should be about presenting a product to people in the most easily consumable form. Um, Becky, you had one uh, question, I think, on funding as we start to wind down. Yeah, I just had a question come in say, saying, where does the charity's funding come from? So we've had an initial grant from the Racing Foundation, which is a continuation grant, really, as they uh, funded our pilot project. Um, we're talking to sponsors at the moment, so there will be the, 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 the normal sponsorship route. Um, the training programme itself, we're hoping, will be um, funded by central government. So, um, but that's through our partners, Phoenix Sports Media. And on that sponsor route, I mean, you might as well use this as the sales pitch. Um, what, how, how can someone, 
whether it's a local business, maybe to one of the race courses, or maybe some one of the bigger organizations in racing, um, how can they specifically get involved as a sponsor or partner of the charity? I think, um, again, a little bit like the programs that were evolving around the young people, we're so open that we can, we can build the sponsorship program around what the sponsor's aims are. So I've already had an approach from um, a company up in Manchester, which has been brilliant. Um, and again, we're looking at how we can tick their boxes because obviously every sponsor wants something out of it. So um, there's lots of ways they can get involved. Certainly the traineeship program itself, because we'll have access to that audience. The social media platforms are quite big for us. So we're, we're quite reliant on those because of our audience. Obviously that's where they work. Um, so yeah any any way that sponsors whatever their marketing aims are we can probably fit around them but again we want it to be bespoke we're not going to just put out a you know give us a hundred thousand pounds and you can be our headline sponsor for the year or whatever um because it's not going to be sustainable sustainability is everything with this program yeah, I agree. Um, Becky, actually, I was just reminded talking of funding, sponsorship, partnerships, and actually the fact that, that you came into this business and this industry a couple of years ago, straight out of university. So with, with not a very, you know, not a specific skill base, but with a marketing degree and then a marketing uh, master's. So eminently qualified in the academic side of things. Um, have you found when dealing with people, whether it be at race courses, trainers, jockeys that you've been largely accepted or is this idea that there's a bit of a closed shop something that you've come across as well it's been a bit of a mixture to be honest i felt um welcomed i just think that things are very old-fashioned um i struggle because especially doing my marketing masters and originally i was looking at um sort of going into um product marketing um things were just a bit more fast paced and everyone was thinking about the sort of like innovation, the next best thing. And I just think racing is almost, I mean, going back to the, what I said before about how, um, how there's just sort of, there's not a lot of young people working in racing on terms of like the commercial side. Um, yeah, I think it's just, it's yeah, just a bit old fashioned, I suppose. Um, I hope that once we start full swing, now everything's kind of, now all the, if you like, the, the building blocks are out the way. When we start, you know, for example, working with the race courses on a regular basis uh, with very practical things to, to sort out, that hopefully that, that might change a bit. Um, I know it's going to be a challenge. And of course, look, let's, let's not get, let's not get it completely twisted that other sports aren't just like this. Football is very similar to this as well that there's an aspect of especially with men and sport of like unless you've played it you don't know what it's all about you know there's the old football dressing room analogy like you come in and all the you know all the heads turn around who's this new person happens in cricket god i mean i mean when i first joined my cricket club as a kid all the old boys you know you've got to earn your stripes do the hard yards all those old cliches you know before you're really part of the gang the golf clubs are the same tennis clubs are probably the worst so it, it, it is apparent. It's just that racing is so big and, and so ubiquitous and just sort of everywhere that I think we're, there's so many stakeholders, as Deborah alluded to, all looking for their own solution. But 
actually the final solution is probably that we all work a bit closer together. Um, yeah. And also there's one, one thing to, to think of maybe is there's a disparity, you know, the, the money side of racing is, is quite extreme. You've got race courses mm. struggling for, for income, um, although they get a lot of the stuff through the rights. Then, you know, of course, at the bloodstock end, you've got horses being sold often for an awful lot of money uh, for their breeding potential. Yet the people that maybe end up being owners of some of their progeny aren't being rewarded with appropriate prize money. Deborah, just on that, since you worked at the race course, um, and it's one of the great topics in racing, prize money, something we're trying to do a lot about. Was that one of your kind of big kind of elephant in the room challenges whilst you're at Lingfield? Did you, did you hear that from owners a lot? Um, you do hear it from owners, but I think also there was an appreciation on the ground. You could actually do a lot more to, to make that better for them because obviously the more loved they were on the day, you know, the easier that became. It's a massive issue in British racing. Um, I'm doing an MBA in thoroughbred horse racing at the moment. I, you know, when you compare us to, <laughs> to to other places, it's a huge issue, and it it does need to be addressed. But yeah, it's um, it's a challenge. I think it's it, it'll be interesting to see the longer term impact of that as we go on. I think. Yeah, and that's only going to change as commercial involvement improves and uh, so on. Look, actually, we're going to have to call it uh, time because we could go on about this one all day. Deborah, we'd love to have you back on um, after the summer, especially in a more normal year. And um, obviously, we would look forward to trying to help you um, as Racing League, which we could talk about off air. Um, Becky, I I will see you uh, on this podcast next week, or actually, I think sooner. but potentially this week again. Potentially this week. Okay, we're busy. Uh, Deborah, thanks very much for joining us. We'll put all of your links in the show notes. And uh, I hope everyone has a good rest of the week. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Take care. I forgot to.